Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. It's so good to see everybody. You all have had caffeine. Food has been put in your body. We're gonna have a good time for the next three and a half hours when the service dismisses. It is gonna be great. Hey, it is so good to be with you and uh, what an exciting time to be here. Uh, here at this church, wow, almost 40 years of ministry uh, right here in Mississippi. And I think of all the faith and the prayer and the stamina, the generosity that is, is taken to get here. What an incredible thing to be a part of. And yet, church, we know, come on, your, your best days are just now beginning. Come on, your best days are just now starting and new things are happening. It's a wonderful place to be a part of. However, God got you here. We're just so glad that God got you here. And, and I'm so glad to be here. Many of you, um, some of you might not know me. Many of you probably know me because I just released a new Christian rap album called Jesus is King under the name Kanye West. And I'm really excited about it. It stirred up some controversy, but I'm telling you, <laughs> that was a joke. All right, it went better first service. I don't know, but... Uh, anyway, uh, I'm just so thrilled. Pastor Joel and Peppy are dear and near to my heart, and I just love your pastor so much, and uh, just excited for what God is doing through you all in new days ahead. Amen. It's just a good, good time. Well, I wanted to just tell you about a couple of things uh, that I have for you to be tools on your path of destiny uh, after our time together is over. And it's a number of years ago, I've been in the full-time ministry over 20 years now, and I started when I was like four years old. That's how it's been 20 years. And uh, I'm not gonna be offended that more of you didn't laugh at that. It's fine, I'll get over it, I walk in love. Uh, but, uh, but when God called me uh, to what I'm doing today, he said, I'm putting a mandate upon you. And he said, the mandate is to awaken destiny. And he said, I want you to speak to the purpose that I have in people's lives uh, within a person, the purpose of God upon a church, even a city, a state, even a nation. And how many of you know you don't start out with nations, but boy, if you're faithful, he will take you there. And uh, so I have had the honor of, of speaking to what God's doing in the earth. I've met with heads of state, and I've met with uh, you know somebody in a parking lot in a cracker barrel and seen Jesus show up. I just want Jesus to show up and be Jesus. I don't care where it is, amen? And uh, so when he did that, though, he dropped some things in my heart uh, to really help open up the plan and the destiny of God in people's lives. And so I wanted to tell you about a few that I brought with me to just be a help to you. Uh, there's two books that I brought. The first one's called Your Defining Moment, When Time and Destiny Meet. I wrote this to feel not like a how-to book, but more like a conversation over a cup of coffee about how do you find out what God put you on the earth to do. And then the follow-up to that just recently came out is called Calling, Understanding Your Purpose, Place, and Position. Because I found out it's one thing to know, maybe have an idea of what God has called you to do, but it's another thing to go, okay, God, what does that look like? 
How do I walk that out? Where does my purpose function? How do I stand in it? How do I work in it? And so that's available out there for you. And then if you're ready to really kind of take some time and invest in in some time and really unpacking who God made you to be, uh, we put together sort of a next level from the book and we did an individual study course. This is six video lessons on a USB drive. You can go through it at your own pace. It comes with outlines you can follow and it will really help you get in there and fine tune the purpose of God for your life. So that is back there. And then uh, this really came from my own uh, relationship with the Lord. The Lord spoke to me one day and he said, Jen, I want you to start speaking to your day before your day can start speaking to you. I thought, man, I like the sound of that, you know. And so he dropped some things in my heart to begin to say over my day. And I'll tell you the truth about it, church. I never saw so much movement and God doing so much in my life as when I got consistent, hello, about speaking to my day before my day could speak to me. So we made this available every day just as a short encouraging word, a scripture, and then it gives you something to declare. It says declare this. So there's the book version and then we also have that audio version as well if you wanna check that out. And then last but not least, fall is here whether you like it or not. And so I brought you some cozy fall sweatshirts because I care about you people. And uh, there are new lines, citizens of heaven on earth, and so that might just be something fun. Well, praise God. Can we pray over the word and just get into what God has for us today? And uh, it's gonna be a great time. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you, Father, that you are moving in this place. And God, we thank you that you have brought us here on divine assignment today. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to invade the privacy of our heart today. And God, we just make this the prayer of our heart today that if necessary, come in and rearrange the landscape of our lives to put us into position for what you have for us now in this time, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. I love the presence of God that's just been in here even through worship, enjoyed it so much. And, and uh, in the presence of God that's just been here since we began the service this morning, I also really sense a, uh, a prophetic anointing in the house today. And if you're not really familiar with what the prophetic is, it's really the word of God, it's what God is saying. And we have the word of God that we live by, amen? And this word is true every single day of our lives. It doesn't go out of date as time evolves. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how many of you know that God is still alive and well and he's still speaking? And so the prophetic word of God is what God is saying for right now, for the time that you're living in right now. And it always lines up with his word, but he'll speak to, as Jesus called it, the times and the seasons of our life. And that's what I sense in the house today, that God is wanting to prophetically speak to the time in the season of your life. 
There was this moment in the ministry of Jesus that I just love, and he was on his way somewhere, and as he was on his way with the disciples, he saw this group of individuals, and he sort of stopped in his tracks when he saw them. This is a big deal to me because I think if there's a group of people that stop Jesus in his tracks, I wanna know about that group of people. And so Jesus stopped when he saw him and he pointed them out to his disciples and he kind of used this as a teachable moment. And in essence, he said, uh, hey fellas, you see those guys right there? They were known as the, the tribe of Issachar. He said, you see those guys right there? In essence, he said, what's so special about them? The genius of them is that the sons of Issachar, this tribe, this group of people, they understand there are times and their seasons. So if this was a big deal to Jesus, that this group of people understood what time they were in and what season they were in, how many of you think it might be a big deal for us? Amen. And so, uh, so that's what I believe God wants to speak to. As I was uh, getting ready uh, last night, I, I flew in and got in here to Jackson, and I was getting ready uh, last night to get some rest, and I really felt just the presence of God just come in the room and he began to speak some things to my heart for you this morning. And this is what he said. You are in the process of possessing. You're in the process of possessing. A lot of us came to church today and we came in carrying a question. Maybe it's a question we have not even verbalized to anybody in our life but it's one that's kind of been running in the background and the question might sound something like this, God, what are you doing in my life right now? What, what is transpiring in my life? And I believe heaven is answering that question in your heart today and he's saying, I have you in the process of possessing, but I want you to catch it's a process. I said it's a process. And so this is what the Lord spoke to my heart, and I believe this is for so many of you that are here today. He said, the momentum in your life is picking up speed. Somebody said amen to that. He said, the momentum is picking up speed and action is taking place. Things are transpiring now at an accelerated rate. Steps to take won't seem to be the normal, natural way of things. And then he said this, you've got to do it my way. Stay with where I'm leading you. Obey my leading. Don't stray away from my flow in your life. He said, what I'm doing in your life right now is time released. You couldn't get into it before now. Why? It simply wasn't time yet. But now it is time. He said it this way, it's destiny time. It's not the normal time frame of things. Your path might zig and your path might zag. It might even jump three steps ahead, but stay with me. Follow my steps and you'll get there. Sooner, quicker than normal, and with all you need to step in to what I have prepared for you. Come on, how many of you received that word this morning? You say, oh, that just sounds like something you just, 
you know, maybe just say, no, that was the word of the Lord that he really downloaded to my heart. And so God is speaking to this process of possessing. And I believe there's some things that we can walk away with understanding how we can work with God in this process. I want you to look in the book of Acts with me, chapter three, and we're gonna take a look at what I believe is a snapshot of this process of possessing and this time that we're in right now. Acts chapter three in verse 20. It says, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time. Everybody say that, until the time. Until the time for what? It says, until the time for the restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So God kind of gives us this insight and he says there's gonna be this time that's gonna come, I believe we're in it right now, where there's going to be a time for the restoring of all things. It reminds me of a, a time in my life just a few months ago. I was getting ready for a service. I was in a hotel room in the state of Oklahoma. And I was just sitting there, just going over my notes, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I just kind of sensed the presence of God in my hotel room, just a, more unusual than, than would be typical. And so I just put my Bible down, and I just closed my eyes, and I just said, God, you know, what is it? It's amazing what God will speak to you when you just stop and acknowledge him wherever you are. And so I just said, God, what is it? And the Lord spoke, I'll never forget it, but he spoke this very particular phrase to me. And it was emphatic the way that he said it. And this is what I heard him say. Heaven is on a tour of restoration. He just said it that strong. And I thought, immediately my first thought was, what peculiar words to say, and then I heard him say it again. It was as if he was wanting to make a point of how big of a deal this was to him. And I heard that phrase again, heaven is on a tour of restoration. Well, you know, he could have just said, Jen, I'm restoring things right now. But he didn't say it that way. I'll tell you, when God speaks to you, pay attention to the particular words that he uses because there's so much tied up in these words. How many of you know God doesn't do random? I mean, there's never been a spot in the Bible, I haven't come across the story yet, you know, where it says that someone inquired of the Lord and heaven's response was, oh, whatever. No, he's very particular, isn't he? And so when God says heaven's on a tour of restoration, he's being very specific. And this is when he led me by the Holy Spirit to this chapter and verse where it says that heaven must receive Jesus until the time. The time for what? Until this time of restoration. I wanna give you two definitions for restoration and I believe that this second one in particular is gonna hold some keys for us as we're talking about the process of possessing. Before I give you this first definition, I wanna make this statement to you. How many of you can agree with this that God is perpetually taking you and I somewhere? Amen. How many of you are real thankful today that heaven isn't settling on you? 
that, that God the Father is never gonna look at Jesus the Son as it pertains to you and say, you know what, for her, that's just good enough. We're just gonna leave her right there. At least, you know, she's not going to hell anymore. He's not addicted to drugs anymore. We don't know how much more he's gonna really be able to handle. We'll just leave them right there. No, I'm here to tell you today that good enough isn't in heaven's vocabulary when it comes to your life. Amen. And so there's some things we need to understand. God's perpetually taking you and I somewhere. He told us in his word, I'm always gonna be taking you from strength, come on, to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So God is always moving you and I somewhere. When we look at this word restoration, the first definition simply means this, to reverse the deterioration of something. Now, this is the definition most of us know pretty well, simply because in our culture today, there is something in us in humanity that we are just obsessed with the work of restoration. There's something about the art of restoring something. In fact, we have like a whole cable TV channel committed to this whole process of restoration. Ladies, help me today, it's called HG. TV, uh, did you feel the anointing? I felt, I felt something there. Come on, there's a couple in Waco, Texas laughing all the way to the bank this morning. God bless Chip and Joanna. Why, because they tapped in to the realization that there's just something about us as humans that we just love this process of something being restored. And I want you to hear this with the ears of your heart today. There's just something about out taking something that has deteriorated because of the effects of time, of not being cared for, of misuse, of rust, of weather, and, and maybe taking something that used to be something of use and something of value, but because of the effects of deterioration, everybody looks at it and says, oh, that's not worth anything anymore. Oh, that used to be something, but its time has come and gone. We just put that on a shelf. It doesn't have any use. Until somebody comes along with eyes to see what nobody else can see. And an ability in their hands to do, come on, help me preach this today, what, what other people can't do. And when they begin to do, create the art of restoration and remove the effects of the deterioration, when they're finished with it, come on, this is why we rush back from the commercial break for the big reveal, because we all want to see the revealing of taking something that everybody said its time had come and gone. It couldn't be used. It had no value. And when the art of restoration is complete, Everybody wants what nobody wanted just moments before. All of a sudden, everybody goes, wow, not only is that useful, it's more valuable. Why? It's been restored. How dare the devil show up and try and tell you that you can't be used 
because of the effects of the deterioration of things that were spoken to you, things that were done to you, the, the life you lived, come on before Jesus. And then all of a sudden heaven shows up and says, wait, 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 this is the time of restoration. In fact, heaven's on a tour of restoration. I'm reversing the effects of the deterioration. And now because you've you, what you've let me restore in you, you are more valuable than ever before. Hallelujah. Now you and I can encounter people that are broken, that are under the effects of deterioration and say, listen, you're not out for the count. I used to sit where you sit. But now I am an, I am a piece of art. I am a work of restoration. And I know where I can take you so that God can restore you to you. Praise the Lord. But the second definition of restoration is what I believe heaven is wanting us to put our attention on today. Because this particular definition of restoration, where the first was to reverse the deterioration, this definition simply means this, to bring into the fullness of what something was always intended to be. To bring into the fullness. Church, I'm gonna just do what preachers really aren't supposed to do, and I'm just gonna cut to the punchline this morning. Heaven is on a tour of restoration because heaven is not willing for you to live out your days functioning in only 60%, 70%, or 80% of everything that God put on the inside of you to be in the earth. Heaven is not willing for your past to define you. Heaven is not willing for other people to define your limitations. In fact, I'll do you one better. Heaven is not willing for you to define the limitations of what God your Father crafted and created and sired you to be in the earth. I many times say it this way. You and I need to remember we didn't come from our parents. We merely came through our parents. But we originated as a creative idea in the mind of God. When before the world ever began, he looked all through the expanse of time. And as he was planning for the redeeming of all mankind, he got to a piece of his plan yet unassigned. And he couldn't assign it to me. Maybe he'd already planned my days. He couldn't assign it to Pastor Joel. And that's when he got the idea of you. And he said, I'm going to need her in 2019 in Flowood, Mississippi to fulfill this piece of my plan. And so that's when he put those gifts, those talents, those abilities, that personality, that sense of humor. Come on, everything that makes you quirky, crazy you. And he puts some things on the inside of you that you don't even know are there yet because they've been time stamped for right now. But the alarm clock of heaven is going off on the fullness of who you are. And heaven is going, you can't stay here. It's time. I'm calling you into the fullness. He's, he's saying to Word of Life Church, as good as this is, Word of Life, you can't stay here. I'm calling you into the fullness of everything I've designed you to be. And you are in the process of possessing more than you ever dreamed was possible. Don't you settle on you. I'm not settling on you. Come on, there's ground to take. Say it with me today. There's ground to take. You ought to turn to the person next to you and say, there is more to me than meets the eye, baby. (laughs) 
Heaven is on a tour of restoration. But what God is saying to us today, and I don't want you to hear this, what heaven is saying to us today is there is a process of your possessing. Just because it is the will of God does not mean that it is automatic in our lives. All throughout his word, when he called the children of Israel to possess the land, when they finally got serious about it and left the place where they had been sitting and functioning and living and said, you know what? There is more for us. We must rise up. As soon as they finally got busy obeying God, the first thing they encountered was not a ticker tape parade saying, we're all so glad you're obeying obeying God, the first thing they encountered was opposition. And so even though it was the will of God and they were obeying God, as soon as they got mobilized, there was some things that affronted them that they had to confront. There is a process to your possessing the fullness of who you are. You're going to have to confront some insecurity that's kept you functioning at about 60% of who you are. I'm in people's business this morning. Hello. You're going to have to confront some definitions of what you will do and what you won't do if you're going to stand before Jesus at the end of your life and give account and he's going to say, did you come into everything I put on the inside of you to be or did you resign yourself? Church, this is what gets me out of bed in the morning. This is what makes me deal with things that feel uncomfortable and and feel awkward, makes me confront other people's opinions of me and and my own opinions of me because I don't want to stand before Jesus, our champion, my big brother who gave his life for me, who spilled his blood for me. I don't want to stand before him and say, after you gave all, I just stopped. I just stopped here because it it was too much for me. When I look at the sacrifice that he paid and the grace that he shed for me to be everything he was calling me to be, how could I refuse such a gift? I want to close by telling you a story about a peculiar miracle in the ministry of Jesus that I think speaks to this tour of restoration that heaven is on. And this process of possessing that you and I are invited into. We won't turn there for the sake of time. You can read it later. But it's found in the book of Mark chapter 5. And Jesus was actually on his way to church that day like many of us have done. And when he got to the synagogue there, it says that there was a group of religious leaders that were there waiting But there was also a peculiar man. The Bible doesn't give us his name. It just refers to him as the man with the withered hand. And it says that the religious leaders were gathered there because they wanted to see what Jesus would do about this man with this withered hand. Because in their religiosity, they, I said they, had created this rule that no work, even healing, could be done on the Sabbath day. Day. I'll tell you, religion will create man-made rules that were never found in the word of God. And it's sad because religion does the work of the kingdom of darkness for it, trying to shut down parts of the body of Christ to keep us from standing in the fullness of everything that he's called us to be. But what I love is that the true spirit of Jesus confronts religion and always brings freedom. Glory to God. 
And so here these religious leaders are gathered and Jesus shows up and he sees the man with a withered hand and he sees the religious leaders. He knows exactly why they're there and what they're looking for. And he sees the man with the withered hand and what we know about the character of God is that it's always his will to heal every time, all the time. And so Jesus looks at this man with this withered hand and he does something that is so peculiar and strange. He looks at this man who is perfectly fine. He is a full man except for this one thing. He's got this one withered hand. And we don't know if he was born with a withered hand. We don't know if there was maybe an accident and and something happened, but we do know that the reason someone has a withered hand is because the muscles have atrophied because it hasn't been used in so long that it just shrivels up. And Jesus looks at the man with the withered hand and of all the things that he could have said, he could have looked at him and said, be made whole. And it it could have transpired. We know from other miracles that he did, one man that had a, a skin disease, he just simply said to him, go down to that river and what did he say? Dip seven times and you'll be made whole. There was a blind man that came to him and it says that Jesus got into the mud and put mud on his eyes and then wiped his eyes clean. And when he wiped his eyes clean, suddenly the man could see. But here's this man with a withered hand. And Jesus says to him, do the one and only thing you feel like you can't do. He said, stretch forth your hand. I don't know how that would have hit you, but sometimes I like to put myself as like an innocent bystander in these stories in the Bible. And if I was standing in that church lobby that day and everybody knows that's the guy with the withered hand and Jesus the healer shows up and we've heard all the stories and Jesus looked at him and told the guy to do the one thing he cannot do, I would be standing there going, oh Jesus, come on. I mean, Jesus, isn't that a little cruel? You told the guy with the skin disease to go dip into the river. He could walk himself to the river and dip. The man that was blind, he didn't have to do anything except let you put mud pies in his eyes. Jesus, how cruel. How could you ask this man to do the one thing? He can walk, he can see, he can smell, he can hear, but the one thing he believes he can't do, you would ask him to do? But Jesus knew something everybody else didn't know. That if that man would move on the command of Jesus, would follow his leading, would stay in the flow, would just keep his eyes on the prize, would just hear the words of heaven, that when he stretched forth, when he went to do the one thing he thought he couldn't do, the power of God was going to hit that hand on the other side, and that hand, as he did it, was going to be restored and made whole. What's the one thing you've been telling yourself you can't do? What's the one thing you've been thinking, man, I would, I could, I should, but I just can't. God's calling you in to the fullness of who you are. And you're not banking on the fact that the power of God's going to hit you on the other side of your obedience to pull you into the fullness of who God always intended you to be. This is what I love about word of life. 
is that every time you come to this house, when you could just resign yourself to sit back and say, well, this is good enough. Every time you come here, you find out vision is still speaking. Every time there's a stretch, every time we're going, you know what? This is good, but God wants to do more because good enough is not in the vocabulary of heaven. There is a fullness of the time that we're living in. There is a fullness. Heaven's on a tour of restoration, of calling the body of Christ into the fullness, of seeing the full potential of what God can do with the restored woman, with the restored man. Church, I believe heaven sent me here this morning to beautiful Flowood, Mississippi, to look you square in the eye today and say, heaven's not settling on you. Don't you settle on you. That you are in the process of possessing. And there's some things you're gonna have to do. I wanna give you three things and I'm gonna close with this. There's three things that you have to do in the process of your possessing. Number one, you gotta go back to the place where you hear the voice of God and you say what he says. I wanna tell you something, church, prayer's having a comeback. I said, prayer is having a comeback. Some of y'all are like, I didn't know prayer went anywhere. Listen, there used to be a day where if you had a situation going on, you'd go find some mamas of prayer, you know, some spiritual mamas. And by the time they got done changing that situation in prayer, you almost felt bad for the devil. They gave him such a beating because they knew how and where to take care of spiritual business. I'm saying we gotta establish this place in our homes, in our lives. Prayer is having a comeback. Not the place of prayer where we go, oh God, would you, could you, would you. The place of prayer where we hear what he says and we declare how is going to be. <laughs> Glory to God. Number two, the process of your possessing is we gotta get used to bold leaps of faith again. I'm telling you, you are hardwired for risk-taking as people of God. You were not made to be just a caretaker. Well, I'll just take care of everything I've got. I don't want to reach for any more. I don't want to because I'm not comfortable. No, if you don't get over into this bold leaps of faith risk-taking, you can't stay a caretaker because pretty sure you're going to slip down to something called being an undertaker where now you just take care of things that died a long time ago. It's a little crazy in the second service. <laughs> I'll tell you, heaven's serious about this today. Come on, we're not made to be undertakers. We're not made to be caretakers. We're made to be risk takers. The process of your possessing involves prayer, but it involves bold leaps of faith. Maybe they won't feel bold to somebody else, but they feel bold to you. Come on, and the last one that you're gonna need for the process of your possessing is you're gonna have to get real comfortable in something I like to call situational fortitude. What are you gonna do with, when your situation doesn't look like what the word of God says? Are you gonna cut and run? Or are you gonna stand, and as the Bible says, keep on standing? And when the situation, circumstances are screaming at you, when the doctor's report comes, when the financial situation looks like this, when your marriage is falling apart, when it looks like your kids don't want anything to do with God, when things are screaming at you, when life decisions are screaming at you, and it's not looking like what God said it would be, are you going to stare at that or are you, I said you, going to turn your attention away from the circumstances to the character of God?
And are you gonna look at the character of God and say, I refuse to back off of what the person who said this says about my situation. Because the character of God is he is faithful. The character of God is there shall be a performance of those things that he promised. It says that he is faithful to a thousand generations. Church, do we really think God's gonna blow his track record of faithfulness on us? Is there really gonna be an asterisk mark right where it says he's the faithful God that says until it got to that one woman in Flowood, Mississippi, he dropped the ball there. But other than that, he's real faithful. No, it says I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. He's not gonna drop being faithful on you. Hallelujah. So we boldly declare today that we are in the process of possessing the fullness of what God's planned for our lives, the fullness of Word of Life Church, and the fullness of who we made you to be. Can I pray over you today? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in this time of restoration. And Father, we just repent today. Lord, if we have resigned ourselves to a lesser version of ourselves and a lesser version of who you are in us, we repent. And Father, we make a decision today to move back over into your flow of moving, 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 moving from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from glory to glory. God, you lead and will follow and we will obey you every step of the way and we'll give you all the glory for it. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen.